Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Docs, welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. Today, I'm excited to bring Dr. David Seaman to the podcast for the first time. I uh, surprised it's taken so long for me to finally ask him to be on the podcast. Uh, you know, he's one of those, um, you know, instrumental people in my education over the years and, and how it's come full circle. I remember being an early chiropractic student at Logan, probably 2003, and hearing him first speak. And then I've been uh, fortunate enough to get to know him, uh, playing golf with him, having dinners, uh, kind of speaking on the circuit together. And uh, really always enjoyed his education, his company, and, and uh, even even his golf information. It's uh, something that we've always connected on. And uh, today we're going to really dive into how you can integrate nutrition into your practice. And it doesn't have to be this overwhelming, complicated thing. And you don't have to be a registered dietitian to do it. And he, as usual, just brings a ton of great information that's easy for you to digest um, and also communicate with your patients and, and how this can really play a huge factor in the conditions you're treating uh, with, you know, manual therapy and rehab. And sometimes we're missing this inflammatory component to it. I, I shouldn't say sometimes, most of the time. And so we dive into that in this interview. And uh, as usual, he is always uh, entertaining and, and a great conversation. And so we uh, dive into uh, various topics around that, and also how it applies to uh, your private practice and, and what you can do for your uh, patients. Uh, before we dive into that, just to give you the update on MCM Mastery, um, you know, we had reached our 45 member number at the end of the year and onboarded all those folks. In case you're wondering, we are uh, accepting new members, and we've got some streaming in here in, in January. And what we're excited about, the overall program has just been great since we transformed it back in the summer of, of 2022. Uh, and we just actually launched a team training component um, to it. And so now if I had to give you kind of the, the three parts, and, and there's a little bit of subcategories under each of them uh, that I won't dive into much here, but you could always uh, go to our website, uh, modernchiropracticmarketing.com to reach out to me and, and dive more into it. But we're really three things now. We're, we're coaching, um, you know, everything business, communication, business systems, practice systems, finances, marketing strategy, you know, really um, having a coach in your corner. Uh, second is, is we do the marketing for you now, and that's a big, big part of what we're doing, and our members are loving that. And then third, we've added team trainings, and we had just had our first one in January here on front desk team trainings, and we got a ton of great feedback on that. So each month we'll be doing two calls. You know, some will be for front desk, some will be for clinical CAs, some for your associates, some for you, some maybe for your marketing team. But the training sessions are a little bit different than the coaching sessions for the for the chiropractors. Check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com if you want to check out our marketing and coaching and training for your practice so you're not left on an island anymore. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. David Seaman. All right, welcome to the show, Doc. I really appreciate your your time today. I'm excited to uh, discuss all things uh, mechanics. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It's a, it's a it's an inside joke, audience, though. We're, we're going to dive into a, a bunch of different topics and really dispel some myths and and have a little bit of fun while we do it. So, uh, you know, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, Doc, and we'll go from there. Well, I graduated from uh, Rutgers, so went to college in New Jersey, and I went to, to, to New York Chiropractic College. And when I was in chiropractic college, well, my undergraduate degree was biobiology slash nutrition. So when I was in chiropractic college, I, I was interested in actually like applied kinesiology and SOT, because those were the only techniques that actually talked about you know, food. And I knew that food, you know, was definitely important to some degree. I didn't realize how food actually creates an environment that will either help to repair musculoskeletal tissues efficiently after, after wearing them. Because really, if you think about it, when you exercise, you wear, and then you rest to repair, right? Yep. So you actually tear with exercise and then you repair 
Well, the, so we wouldn't like work our biceps every day to the max, right? You got to rest them. So you repair. And so that's how the rest of our musculoskeletal tissues work too. They wear and they should repair. If we are, if we have an unhealthy biochemical state, then we will wear and not repair will degenerate. And down the road, the imaging looks like a tear, but you cannot tear biological tissues in a, in a very, in a, in a, in a slow kind of way that you can with an actual say sports injury, where you can actually tear something, sprain something. Most people develop their symptoms gradually over time. And you think, you know, degeneration is part, which is true, but de what degeneration is, is a lack of an ability to repair tissues over time. And if, and if those two things are not understood, then we artificially separate out mechanics from chemistry as if they're somehow separated when they're not separated. So that's kind of where I am now. But it, I, I started thinking about this because I was sitting in a neuroscience class, my first postgrad class, because when I was graduated college back in, you know, in the old days when there was still dial up, I guess, uh, <laughs> in the early 80s or late or mid 80s. Um, Oh, heck, I started thinking about dial-up. I started laughing. Shoot. Well, it wasn't even dial-up back then. It was rotary phones probably. For rotary, that. yeah. Yeah, it was It was rotary. And so, you know, we, we have push button too. But, you know, and <laughs> they just start to have, you know, the uh, the wireless. But back when I was in school, uh, oh, heck, I forget. It was a really good point, And I'll think about it. But anyway, so I got my, oh, yeah, I was, I, I took a, a, a class from Dr. Barry White, who was a pretty famous neuroscientist. He was the, the first medical doctor, neurologist, researcher, who was really a friend of chiropractors. So us chiropractors who were who were raised in the early 80s and mid 80s, we really liked this guy. He came to NYCC, we're out to school two or three times. And then after I graduated, I took a, almost a 15 hour class with him. And he was talking about, about pain mechanisms and manipulation mechanisms. And when he went over pain, he showed a bunch of the different chemicals that irritate nociceptors. And I'm sitting there for the first time, I'm going, man, look at half those chemicals I learned in undergrad and in Cairo, and I know that they're related to diet. So I thought to myself, I wonder if we can literally eat ourselves in of and into and out of pain. And that got me going. So I ended up collecting about 10,000 photocopied articles, in the scientific literature where I retaught myself physiology on my own after graduation. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. And I didn't have kids, didn't have a wife. So I, so I was like, it was just me and, and, and information. So it's like, it's, it's a, you just have, I mean, imagine having nothing, no dogs, no cats, no kids, no nothing, no in-laws, no nothing. And then the amount, the amount of time you have. Right. So that's, that's how I did it. Yeah. 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 I saw, I remember back when I was probably 28, uh, similar, no kids or family or anything. I, I wrote my first little golf manual. I know you and I have a lot of golf in common and, and I used to just come home at night and, and write and write and write. And, and, and now I can't find a minute to, to read or, or do anything. <laughs> so I'm 63 this year. So I've, I've, I've been like that for several decades. So, yeah. 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 So, so my your production has been very good. Yeah, particularly <laughs> since the COVID thing, I put I probably wrote like four books since COVID started. I think yeah. actually, at the very beginning of COVID, I, before I started, I published one and then I wrote three more and modified one since then. So yeah, so it's been it's been pretty pretty busy writing. Yeah, well, good. You know, my first exposure to your work was actually probably in two thousand three. I was a chiropractic student early on at Logan, and saw you you speak. And I know the last time we had dinner in in Columbus uh, a few months back, I was telling you how I. I went home and I made that ginger tea, the whole yeah. nine yards. And I was, <laughs> I was drinking that and, you know, the little anti-inflammatory concoction that, that really would, would light your nose hairs on fire after you're drinking that. You know, it's really interesting. I, cause, cause I, before the whole COVID thing happened, I would still go and do stuff at the schools and oftentimes, uh, yeah, I had, well, students would come for whatever reason. And this one, this once, and I'm not going to mention the school just, just because they're all like this. They're all, they all fail the students in this regard. So here's a student who had, um, it was either ulcerative colitis or Crohn's and he had a colostomy bag and he, he would drive home from school and you have to stop and empty the bag and deal with it. And so he takes, he, he's, he's, this is the first 12 hour class of three. 
And he's telling us the next class that he, he drove home after he changed around what I suggested, like get rid of sugar and flour, refined oils, increase your vegetation, you know, whatever stuff agrees with you vegetation wise, don't run away from fat. If you like bacon, eat more bacon. I mean, you know, don't like only eat bacon, but don't be afraid of bacon, be afraid of French fries, you know, that kind of thing. So he didn't say anything. He just kind of, I guess, was taking notes. He changed everything around. He's driving home and he drove home five hours and didn't have once have to stop for his colostomy bag fix. He gets home. He's like, oh, my God. So even with even with ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, his life was completely changed by getting rid of sugar, flour and refined oils. And that is the main thing. And we need to do that to whatever degree we need to based upon our individual needs, which would be different for, say, me or you compared to a guy who has part of his colon not there. Yep. So, and if you have, if, if you're a gluten sensitive person or a celiac person, then you have another layer of complexity to deal with. But most people, they just need to stop overeating sugar, flour, you know, and, and refined oils. And one of the things that I, cause I try to think like, you know, talk about this so that, you know, DCs and DC students who have been in, inappropriately conditioned to view the human body movement as mechanical and that chemistry is somehow separate. Like, how do you kind of orient this? So one way to look at it is, so whenever you take, for example, carbohydrate, like say potato, you put it into a deep fryer and you fry the crap out of it. You, you create advanced glycation end products, which in, in the only one we really measure in clinical practice, if anyone does, is hemoglobin A1C. But when you, but when you, heat up at high temperatures with oil, you make a ton of advanced glycation end products in your French fries, preformed in potato chips. So these advanced glycation end products that we eat, they actually bind to, to connective tissue and initiate degeneration of our so-called mechanical tissues because they're not really mechanical, they are structural. And, they're, and, and so the collagen proteins, there's an affinity. There's actually a receptor on in chondrocytes for advanced glycation end products is called the receptor for AGEs. So the receptor is called rage. The rage, <laughs> the rage. Which causes, you, which causes you to age. <laughs> which causes you to age. Exactly, exactly right. So, so, so my orientation way back then was initially, and the thing too that was nice for me back then, back was basically 86, I guess, 87. When I asked Dr. White on Sunday, because I went home, got my chem books out and my nutrition book. And I'm like, look at this, omega-3 fatty acids, they make anti-inflammatory prostaglandins. He talked about a pro-inflammatory one. So during the first break on Sunday, I asked him, I showed him the book, he said, that's interesting. And even if he said, you know, Seaman, you're crazy, I wouldn't have taken it too seriously because he was busy sipping a Coke, you know? And so <laughs> he didn't really have a good, you know, connection between food and health and all that kind of stuff. He goes, he goes that's interesting. I'm like, cool. And that's what got me going. So I went kind of crazy, crazy after that. Yeah. So I want to I want to touch on a little bit because you mentioned it and, and we were talking about it pre-chat, which was why I was kind of joking around on the early part of the introduction about mechanics. And, you know, we do hear a lot about that in, in our evidence-informed chiropractic field, whether, you know, we're talking about rehab or, or movement or, you know, McKenzie, things like that. A lot of the, the term mechanics is thrown out. And we, a lot of times forget about the, the biochemistry or the chemical aspect of it. Can you, can you dive into that a little bit more and, and kind yeah. of talk about the irony of it a little bit and, and, and the reality of it and, and give us a, a good picture of that? Yeah, it's, it's actually interesting. That's why I think, I think everybody listening now should go online and, and just put into their, to their search window, whatever they're doing. If they're if if they're Googling it, do it there. If they're if they're a little bit suspicious and they're doing duck, duck, go, that'll work too. What you want to do is put in Weston Price, W-E-S-T-O-N Price, and then click images. And what you'll see are images of the native populations that Weston Price visited back in the late 20s, early 30s. So he traveled around the world to various cultures, uh, islanders. Eskimo, so North, South, Congo, all over the place. I mean, this, this guy went everywhere, South America. And wherever he found native populations, he would look at the natives who were not exposed to Western calories. And back then, the main Western calories would have been sugar and flour. Eventually, they brought in like the refined oils and the Crisco-y stuff, those sugar and flour calories. 
And he found that wherever sugar and flour calories were, were adopted to a sufficient enough degree, there was noticeable physical degeneration, particularly in the dentition, which makes sense. You know, you eat sugar and flour, your teeth will decay. And the reason why is because the sugar and flour basically feed the gram-negative bacteria in the mouth and then they pr proliferate and they create a local inflammatory process and, you, and then you lose your teeth. So it's a very obvious degenerative process. Well, wherever Weston Price went, he saw profound differences in dental and in some places even uh, appendicular skeleton as well, posture and all, all kinds of stuff, uh, jawbone changes, uh, teeth narrowing. I mean, massive physical changes as a consequence of no longer eating what you could call a paleo diet. Now, paleo diet, you know, is is also con confused because of the of the of the hucksters that that are out there compared to the original paleo guy, which was Lauren Cordain, who wrote The Paleo Diet. And his website, thepaleodiet.com, is I think the only paleo website anyone should go to. But when I first started looking at that, I'm like, paleo is not the right word. They should call it the, the, the Paleolithic Latitude Diet, because that's what mm -hmm. it really is. Think about if you're an Eskimo, you're not going to be eating the same kind of calories that you would if you were in, say, an Amazon native, right? But wherever we are, our latitude determines the animals and the vegetation that are available to us. So, so whenever anyone aborts their native natural latitude diet in favor of refined sugar and flour and now oil calories, there will be degeneration that will occur without question. And one of the most notable things that kind of, that kind of hit me years ago when I, actually this was when I, when I first, this is 20 years ago when, cause I moved, to Florida to work at Palmer in, in Port Orange in the fall of, uh, of uh, 2002. And the way that their curriculum was set up, I happened to teach some, some anatomy stuff that involved histology and embryology. So, so I, I, I started studying that stuff and I wanted to look into how to look at a joint histology from a, a clinical perspective rather than just, this is the tide mark, here's your, here, here are your horizontal collagen fibers and blah, 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 blah. So I came across research from Rutgers where I went to college, where they found that over time, um, omega-6 fatty acids concentrate in articular cartilage, slow and over time. And when you hit a critical threshold at some point, even with, when there are no symptoms, the chondrocytes die and there are little beds that they live in. They live in uh, little houses called lacunae inside the articular cartilage. And these lacunae fill up with lipid. And so now the first paper that I ever saw published on this was in 1975, mm -hmm. that osteoarthritic joints have an accumulation of omega-6 fatty acids, which is not the case for your non-arthritic joints. And I'm like, wow. So you got this microscopic change that they measured in the US and then you have the Western price macroscopic examples of this. Oh man, this is just horrible. And so then I started thinking, cause back at some point there were, this is probably in the, I guess the late, I forget when around, around 2000, when the clinical prediction rules for manipulation started to show up, mm -hmm. if pain wasn't below your knee and if it was localized and wasn't too long, you'd be, you'd be a good uh, a lumbar spine manipulation candidate versus longer term with radiating pain down below the knee. So the clinical prediction thing. And I thought to myself, I wonder, if, if we could create, and no one has yet, a clinical prediction rule for lifestyle factors, because those are the things that DCs are the worst at. Yep. Understanding how the life, and, and PTs too, the lifestyle mm -hmm. issues, how they impact body motion. So here's an example. If one, they did a study on, this was published in the journal Pain. They had people for 10 days, I think it was 10 days. I may be mixing up a couple of different studies, but anyway, mm -hmm. sleeping for less than six hours a night for 10 days straight. Mm -hmm. Whenever they had, well, that may have been for an inflammatory, but whenever anyone sleeps less than they should, they have increased pain the next day, yep. independent of any movement activities at all. So if next day pain increases by being sleep deprived, well, that should tell us about the, like, well, you've just had your second kid. I remember like, how old is your oldest now? Like three? Uh, almost three in April. And then our and youngest is I remember kind of seeing born and grow and get a bigger version, bigger version. Oh, well, yeah. you typically start to sleep less when you have a kid, right? And then, yes. of course, if you sleep less, you tend to not feel quite as well as you do when you're sleeping enough. Well, there's a reason why. Lack of sleep 
just like any other psychological stressor, acts as a, a non-physical like uh, perturbation to our, to our sensing nervous system. There's actually a collection of chemicals. And I learned about this maybe like three years ago because I was always curious, like how does stress not sleeping, you know, psychosocial stressors, not sleeping. Why is that inflammatory? And it turns out that we have in our bodies chemicals that are called alarmins. Hmm. Biologic, they're called, I mean, limit, they're called alarmins, right? Hmm. So if you don't sleep enough, the alarm is activated and then inflammatory chemistry is released. And that's why you feel like crap if you don't get enough sleep. So I'm like, man, like this is, and I'm thinking myself, okay, so lack of exercise, you need, you need physiological stress. Without it, you activate the alarmins. Mm-hmm. So these lifestyle factors, they activate alarmins and lead to chronic inflammation that will lead to degeneration over time. And then if it's too robust, then you end up looking like a Western price victim and then nothing helps in terms of treatments. Yeah, and I think you're right. A lot of DCs are forgetting a lot of the lifestyle factors that you mentioned sleep and then obviously nutrition is, is, is a huge part of that. And then we're trying to fix something and, and not That's really not fixable, not yet, not fixable. And, and, and then you're getting referrals from other maybe orthopedists that are getting MRIs and they're gearing everything towards maybe the mechanical and, and all that. And, and so there's just, just this huge gorilla or, you know, in the, in the room there that you're just not seeing and, and not having those conversations with it. All right, docs, here's a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do Uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors. And you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel MCM. That is bit.ly bit.ly propel MCM modern chiropractic marketing, right? And so check out that link. And we're going to have you go over five SEO secrets to owning the first page of Google uh, without buying ads. And Darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. What are, what are some of the things? Cause I think a lot of times DCs get, con- they get concerned that they're going to have to become a like full-blown nutritionist to be able to have an impact on their patients in regards to, to this. And, and I've always loved your deflame diet and the books and the website and all that, because it really brings it down to a, um, a level where it can be implemented. It can be discussed. It can be digested, you know, pardon the pun, uh, by the, by the patient. And, and ultimately you can make an impact. So kind of speak to that DC where they're, they're worried, like, okay, do I have to go and get a full like semester of learning how to be a nutritionist? Am I going to spend an hour with the patient every time to discuss this stuff? Like how, how does, how do we integrate this into our practice? Even, even the ones that are doing McKenzie method, cause you actually, you know, we were talking pre-chat, you've taught McKenzie. I think that's something some people forget too, is, is you, you can manipulate people. You still do this day, you know, McKenzie, you know, like a lot of this stuff that, isn't quote unquote nutrition and you're able to integrate it. So how can the DC kind of um, bring that home to their practice and and really help to start changing the conversation for their patients? I I don't know who it was who who started, you know, the fear. That's the other thing too that's interesting. Part of it involves fear and concern, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm afraid of what door, what, what I might open if I open that nutrition door, right? So, so the second, it's really interesting, interesting. The second anyone has fear in their brain, fear, it inhibits the frontal lobe, actually. Fear, a fear state is one where the prefrontal cortex gets inhibited and it facilitates amygdala extensions wherever the amygdala is extending to. So, so fear turns off our ability to think. So whenever he goes, Oh, you got to do something diet. Like, oh, oh, they start freaking out, right? 
Well, first of all, everybody who's, who freaks out, they already ate that day, most likely, and their patient already ate that day. So it's not like this eating thing is new. Mm-hmm. And right, and everybody out there knows that basically vegetables and fruit and nuts and tubers and roots and those kinds of things are actually are very, very healthy. Spices, very, very healthy. Some people want to be vegans. If you want to be a vegan, go ahead and be be a vegan. If you want to be a carnivore, I don't know why, but most people are, are omnivores. And the only foods that they really need to get rid of are, are sugar, flour, and refined oils, unless they have a, a gluten problem as the most obvious uh, example or individual allergies. And then all they should want to do is just normalize waist-hip ratio. Waist-hip ratio, if that's normal, the odds of you having pro-inflammatory body chemistry are very, very low unless you maintain that normal waste of ratio by drinking corn oil, which you can. So you'll just have a very, very unhealthy body over time. But it doesn't need to be complicated. It just means that we want to normalize our waste of ratio. We want to normalize our blood glucose. We want to normalize our waist circumference. And it turns out that waist hip ratio correlates robustly to all inflammatory markers. It's it's really stunning, actually. Even like circulating like endotoxin, which is the outer, it's a it's a it's a it's a called, it's called lipopolysaccharide. So, so so it's a sugar fat that sticks sticks in the outer membrane of gram-negative bacteria, which are in the gut and in the mouth. And in the gut, when the gut's exposed to sugar, flour, refined oils, that endotoxin is released and it gets absorbed. Well, it turns out waste tip ratio correlates to circulating endotoxin. So it is the most robust measurement that a DC can use if they're if they've got amygdaloid problems with doing lab work and they don't need to do lab work. But it does turn out that, well, you know, you've seen people got a lot fatter during COVID. Yep. Children obesity has increased. Children diabetes has increased. So it would be good for DCs to get comfortable if their if their if their uh, scope allows it to do blood. Uh, sugar measurements. And, and I, again, I, I, I don't know, I've not talked to any of the, you know, of, of, of the boards about, you know, if there's, if there's, if there's limits to this, but really, you know, patient comes in, do a glucometer on them and mm-hmm. see where they are when they walk in and track this. Anyone who's got a fasting, a postprandial glucose and any, after two hours, if your glucose is above 140, man, you've got a blood sugar problem. Yeah. I listen to a podcast, Peter Atia, MD, that has a pretty popular podcast. He's that carnivore, like a, dude, right? Uh, I don't think he. Yeah. Is, no, no. Oh yeah, is he's he, a carnivore guy, Peter. Is he? Yeah. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But he does talk about having. He he wants people just wearing, you know, having a blood glu- glucose monitor like all the time. You know, it, yeah. like, if people would do that one thing, I mean, there's obviously other things you want to do, but if you could, if you could do that, you could really figure out and change a lot. And oh, and, and absolutely, it. and it's not complicated. And the other thing too is people say, well, if I do that. Because then because they already have fear in the first place, right? Or, or or they're told, you need to change your diet. They have fear. So now you have this frontal lobe that's already shut off. And then mm-hmm. the next fear thing, well, it means I'll never be able to have a donut ever again. Nobody said that. <laughs> so they start to catastrophize on their own for no reason, as opposed to, hey, you know, when did you feel the best? When you were like 25 and weighed 100 pounds less or now? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, so it's yeah. so funny because a couple of days ago was, was my birthday actually. And, um, and I, I generally eat healthy, but the, part of the problem of having a, a two and a half year old is, is I hate seeing all the food go to waste. <laughs> so I'm eating, <laughs> I'm eating a little bit more than I should, although we feed them really healthy. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, but, uh, it was my birthday and, and, and I was having a good day and I felt good. I worked out good energy my wife had delivered uh, these really impressive, like cookie, you know, it's, it's just so ridiculous what they do with cookies. Now it's like mini cakes and you put it in the toaster oven thing and you heat it up and it, it tastes like heaven. And I ate half of one of those things and I felt like shit for the rest of the afternoon. And I was like, isn't that crazy? Oh, I mean, it was, it just tanked my day, you know, but I, and I knew going into it, I knew as soon as I was eating, it's like, this is going to suck, but it's my birthday. I can't not have one. She, she delivered it to you. <laughs> and I felt like shit the rest of the day. But it's pretty amazing how in some cases it can be that dramatic. 
I used to, uh, once in a while, when I, when I worked at one of the Cairo schools I worked at during the week, had lunch with a couple of guys and we would go over to, to the wing place and I would get naked wings and a Caesar salad, unsweet tea, no croutons, a little bit of dressing. So it was pretty clean, you know, pretty clean baked wings. So this guy would get like the super deep fried everything with, with the, with the curly fries, the whole thing and, and a Coke and he, and we were coming back, going back to school, uh, after eating, he goes, you know, every time I, I, I eat here, by the time I get like to the car and halfway back, like right now, I start to feel my hands feeling like this. So <laughs> I'm of course like, what? I'm like, cause, cause, cause I heard every time yeah. and I'm like, you're a DC, you treated patients once you used to do a case history. What makes it worse? What makes it better? That kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So here he is telling us like almost unconsciously, my arthritic pain that I always have is way worse after I eat curly fries and deep fried wings with washing it down with Coke. And I'm like, every time, he goes, every time I go, well, why don't you stop? <laughs> it like, didn't even occur to him. It's like, well, I guess yeah. I got to go through this. No, you don't. Just don't do it. Yeah. Well, I actually, That's yeah, I made a bad re- Our brain is for food too, right? Because it tastes so good. We don't want to give that up. It is hard. You know, it is hard. And, and I struggle with it for sure. Um, but like, I actually did make a rule, especially when I was treating patients, um, whenever I would do a business lunch, uh, which a lot of times like once or twice a, a week, maybe four times a month or something. Um, I would not order any of that stuff. It was, it was always a salad. It was like, I, and because I had done that before where I'd come back for the afternoon shift of patients after eating the cheeseburger and fries tasted great, but I couldn't function. Like I could like taking a history of a patient and my brain is just like cloudy. So I, I stopped doing that definitely. And, and, but then, you know, I go out to dinner, we got to some nice restaurants here and there, and it's, it's just so hard to, to pass up. Uh, but, uh, you know, I did it the other night. We had a nice steak dinner. I got a steak and I vegetables, you know, it was, it was good. Yeah. Steak and vegetables works, works, works great. It's the additional stuff. It was really funny too. I forget where I was maybe after I played golf last weekend and in the clubhouse. So we get, we, 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 we decide to get a meal and the guy goes, oh, I, you know, my doctor says I need to eat more fish. So he, so he gets a fish sandwich. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> I, go, I can see where this is going well he just fish sandwich we eat the whole thing and then he just eats every french fry and i'm like looks at myself like god i mean you really think that a little bit of fish is gonna is gonna like combat that tsunami of deep fried of white powdery potato it's like it doesn't even occur i'm like oh yeah. man these poor people yeah you know what i do now i i hate coleslaw um so whenever i order something that's healthy let's call it but it comes with french fries or you know you could pick the this or the that i was like give me the coleslaw because i'm not gonna eat it <laughs> it's a, oh, okay yeah 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 versus like if they if they even bring the fries i'll eat it right um but i'm not gonna eat the coleslaw so i tell them to bring that so i just avoid it and and i'll i'll eat the chicken breast and and, and the veggies that come well, think about that what you did there see that's a strategy right because for marketing and patient management and practice management and and office management you need strategies for different situations so that you don't screw yourself up or make errors or, or you compromise or end up in a cumbersome scenario so what you did there is really good strategy and i think you know the the best way like you're doing is you know your threshold. Like if you can have two or three French fries, well then have a couple. So I mean, I think I got the same sandwich that that, that guy got. And I had like three or four fries, you yeah. know, and 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 he had the whole thing and yeah, yeah. didn't occur. He thought, well, you know, the fish will somehow counteract the fries. I'm like, man, it you know just doesn't doesn't work like that. Well, and that's something I've always appreciated about you because I've I've had the fortunate uh, opportunity to to hang out with you and have dinners and play golf together over the years and and there's been times where you will eat regularly, you know, like, but it's within reason, you know, it's, it's that's right. You were shocked that one time, right? I had a Coke yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we were, it was Coke. back, oh, maybe 2009, we were playing golf and we hit the turn and it was, I remember it was me, Mark Hawkins, Mark King and you, and, and we go to, to get, you know, some snacks at the, at the turn and I think you ordered a, it was like a Coke and, and something Diet else. Coke. Not right yeah, Diet, Diet, Diet Coke and something else. And, I remember Mark Hawkins and I look at me, we look at you and like, 
<laughs> it was like, what the hell's going on here? You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> Isn't that funny though? We put these rules in our brains, right? Yeah. We put these rules in our brain. And that's the problem with, with nutrition is it is highly mm -hmm. emotional. And that's why uh, in every book and every article I write, I talk about markers that you want to track mm -hmm. your markers and for, and really waist hip ratio is a fantastic one. Waist hip ratio for guys should be below 0.95 and for girls should be below 0.8. And so just get there. That's all. I mean, it's not that complicated. Don't over, because everyone, you know, it's really, it's, it's interesting. I've run to a lot of people over the years where they shred down like crazy. This, I did the whole thing you're doing. And then I see them a year later and they're faz a house again. Yep. It's because they don't have the right mindset for it as a, you know, everybody wants to eat that crap. I, mean, I probably yeah, have pizza and a beer once a week. Mm -hmm. Are you okay with that? Okay with that? I love it. I love it. <laughs> because, no, because it, because it brings it down to earth too. And it makes you realize like, cause there are, we do see the people that are, uh, you know, a hundred percent clean in their eating and it's like insanely meticulous and it, and, and, and I think that's the misconception that people have is that I, that I have to go from where I'm at now, which say is not in a good spot to being that perfection of eating, you know, and, and I think that scares some of them. And I think if, if you level with your patients, like, and like you're talking about, and instead of making it this thing where you're adding a bunch of things or adding this entire program, you start with like, let's remove these categories of stuff. Yeah. And, and that's easy. And then look, you don't have to be a hundred percent perfect all the time, but if you do this, you set a goal of, like you said, the, the hip rate waist ratio and you, you like really reasonable things with the blood glucose and do all that. You, you add that like, cause it's ironic because the same chiropractors and I fall into the same categories. We, we can't believe that they don't follow the, the rehab exercise program at home that we give them. That's got 43 different exercises Right. And we, and we're, sh we're shocked that they're not doing it, but then we, we don't think they can handle uh, a 10 minute, five minute conversation on the things to remove with some nice handouts that I know that you have that like where they could actually do that. So it's like, it's just ironic that we, on one hand, think they can handle all this at home exercise program, but they can't handle some advice here. That's going to really make a big difference. Yeah, I used to tell people when I was doing some golf rehab stuff, particularly a handful of golf pros, this guy wouldn't play anymore because his back was killing him. He drove back and forth to work. He said, well, here's what you do. Only drink water when you're going back and forth. Drink black coffee. Don't throw sugar in there. Want a little cream, no problem. Otherwise, do tea. Eat, avoid sugar, flour, refined oils. And when you're riding 45 minutes back and forth to work, I just show him to do some abdominal bracing. Mm -hmm. Good posture, abdominal bracing, you know, that kind of stuff. And he, he emails, he emails me like three months later. He goes, my back, I lost 40 pounds. My back pain is totally gone when I can play golf again. All I had him do was abdominal brace and think about not filling his braced belly with French fries. And that was it. A massive change without a whole lot of stress or anything like that. No pressure at all. But we put this weird pressure on ourselves. And I think part of it has to do with, again, sort of like the... I don't know, the catastrophizing that the average person goes through when they hear they should change what they eat. You can yeah. still have French fries, just not buckets of them. And you want mm -hmm. to achieve a normal waist hip ratio. If you achieve a normal waist hip ratio, your chance of also being a responder as a patient goes up dramatically. Yeah. And the other thing too is for the DC, if, you, if they're overeating their calories, and listen, everybody listening, trust me on this, Go to Google, put in Weston Price, look at the pictures. Mm -hmm. If you are hypercaloric and your waist hip ratio is higher than it should be, you are in the process of going from a healthy, lean person, which most of us were, into one of these degenerated Weston Price people. And now, if you're doing a lot of, say, lumbar rolls on people, side posture, where you're doing a good move, that mm -hmm. that sh the shoulders take a beating. Yep. So you know how common tendinopathy is in people with hyperglycemia pretty mm -hmm. much it's been it's been very very there's almost a it's almost a perfect not perfect correlation but there are outliers of course as blood glucose goes up as obesity goes up everybody knows that you push yourself towards uh, atherosclerosis i mean it goes mm -hmm. hand in hand as your glucose goes up so does your chance for 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 cardiovascular cerebrovascular disease impotence peripheral artery disease they all go up together but what people don't know 
is that that degenerative process that occurs in the arteries is mirrored in tendons and joints. Mm. So you're sitting there blasting away on somebody, and now all of a sudden you're you got this beat up uh, supraspinatus tendon that needs to be that that needs surgery. Well, why? Because you ate yourself into that direction, and every day you're pounding people. That's where, mm. without giving you a chance to repair, especially when it becomes, you know, atherosclerosis, which is literally, you can literally see papers, is osteoarthritis a vascular atheromaceous disease of joints? And the chemistry is nearly identical. Hmm. That's, that's an interesting for sure. Now let's segue a little bit because uh, I know the audience can't see it, but I can, and you've, you've been doing some work with golf uh, and you always have for a long time, but now we've got the deflame diet for, for golf. Is that uh uh, something that's been on your mind for a while that you needed to get out into into the ether there to to educate and stuff. And what is some of that that you're doing? Well, once the COVID thing hit and I stopped traveling mm -hmm. on weekends, I'm like, what's this? Three days where I'm on like a Friday afternoon, and what is this? Mm -hmm. Is interesting. I've never I haven't had this experience in years, so I started playing a lot. Yeah. So so the first thing I did was I I at the club locally. Uh, is 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 where Mo Norman, a, a famous Canadian uh, pro golfer, he lived in Daytona Beach for like 45 winters. So half of Mo Norman's adult life, he lived in Daytona Beach, and he was crowned the best ball striker in history by the PGA back in 1994. So the first time I played golf, actually I played golf, it actually worked like this. Mark King was down in June, we played golf. Mm -hmm. A month later, my father and brother were down, we played golf, my dad and brother were, were having a beer. I had a Guinness in case people are wondering. <laughs> Although I don't always, I do like, I do like IPAs. But so, so I'm having a Guinness and I look at the plaque on the one. I'm like, Mo Norman, Mo Norman record here, Mo Norman there. And a the guy walks by and goes, hi, how you doing? And he introduced himself. He's the owner. And I go, Mo Norman. He goes, oh yeah. He, he lived upstairs for three or four winters in the late fifties. I'm like, wow. Right. So I go home and I look up Mo Norman and I see him doing two, it was like two 25 minute videos of him in a green pants, yellow plaid shirt with like orange in it. And this British guy's talking to him. Turns out the British guy teaches over at LPGA right here in Daytona. Okay. So I was watching Mo Norman talk because I saw pictures of Mo Norman years ago. And then I'm watching Mo Norman explain why he does what he does. He stands farther away from the ball and he explains, well, the reason why is because it gives me room. I don't have to get my body out of the way. It doesn't require all this. I'm like, huh. I stand up through impact like most amateurs do. Let me back up and see what happens. So I back up and in six months, I go from a 12 to a six just by backing up. <laughs> so my mind goes, well, what else don't I know? <laughs> so then I end up writing a 300 page book called The Amateur Golfer's Dilemma, all about it's, it's like the underlying inflammatory problem in the golf world, not inflammation, of course, but similar things like the two main things for golfers. We stand too close to the ball and we don't know how to dynamically move from our heels. We get onto our toes with forward momentum. Hmm. So that's the golf book. Prior to that, though, I figured I would just modify my joint rotting book, my basically my, my version of nutrition and physical degeneration for golfers. And that's why it's called the deflame dive for for, for golf. And so, yeah, I'm branching to that. I've got my website, my homepage is up. It's called the amateur golfers dilemma. And all I do is harass, not harass. I make fun of the stupidity of standing too close to the ball and not swinging from the heels. And I use multiple examples of PGA teaching pros who, who first of all, can't do what they're teaching us. Yeah. They stand too close to the ball and they go up, up onto their toes. So it's been a lot of fun because you see some of the remarks I get. It's like, man, I didn't know people were this not very bright. It's <laughs> huge. So it's just like, how do I how do I eat better? Waste up ratio, pull back on the sugar, flour, refined oil calories, mm -hmm. and within a very short period of time, people's symptoms can dramatically improve, which is no different than just standing a little back a little bit further away mm -hmm. from the ball. So. I guess as I enter the final third of my life, which will be the final six holes of my life, I think golf will be part of it. Good. I love it. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's something that's always, uh, you can't learn enough, right? It's, it's, oh it's, yeah. It's yeah. great. Do you think there's any, you know, there's obviously, I I had a great experience in the past working with some pro golfers and, and traveled on PJ tour a little bit. 
I saw some of the habits and stuff. Obviously, most of these high-level golfers now have trainers and chiropractors and massage therapists, and they have all the, the physical stuff. We're obviously dealing with a, a lot of low back injuries and even in the highest level golfers. Uh, would you suspect there's something going on there maybe with their nutrition? Uh, I know they travel. I mean, I know they have the resources, but have you had any insights on that? I think prior, isn't it true? I mean, I, I've heard from various people and I've actually watched golfers because the handful of, of, of tour events I got where I was able to, uh, to be inside where the players were. I mean, they eat a lot of crappy food. So, so not all of them, but I, and I think Tiger Woods is basically a burger and fry and a Coke guy for, for a long time. You know, it's, it's hard to really say because it, because it's a protracted thing over time. Most of these guys have a proper waste of ratio, but if you have too much dietarily consumed advanced glycation end products, it puts a burden on your musculoskeletal tissues because these advanced glycation end products, as well as other chemicals, they create localized inflammatory events that tend not to heal serially over time. So it looks like a tear event in the end, rather than as opposed to being a degenerative event. So I would say that long-term, yes, like you can, you can maintain normal weight for 20 years, but if you eat too much corn oil, you're probably going to get cancer, even though your weight is normal. So those calories become very important, particularly if you're doing re basically repetitive motion activity, which is what golf is, obviously. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, a little challenge to our, our chiropractors, and you mentioned it, is that, you know, part of our responsibility as a chiropractor, it's a very physical job, and we have to keep ourselves healthy. And, and you know, whether that's sleeping well, exercising regularly, uh, making sure our technique is good, making sure our mindset is there and we're present with our patients, it's, it's a hard job. There's a lot of facets to doing it. And the physical is such a big part of it that if you need to clean up your own diet, that could be the start of grasping this information and, and living it. And then you'll be able to really convey that information to your patients even better and, and use yourself as maybe a, as a, as a case study, right. An example of like, look what I've did. If, you know, cause we, we're, we're getting a lot of these disc injuries. We're getting a lot of this stuff and we're we're missing that part of it and and if you if you start to really communicate with your patients on it um i think it's gonna make a big difference well the other thing too actually is that and it's, and it's been documented quite well type 2 diabetics have reduced motion across all joints compared to age match controls and type 2 diabetics have a, a much higher incidence of of uh, cervical and lumbar spine disc herniation if you have to have surgery, whether it be well, really anywhere, but spine is is was is my interest, of course, much more likely to have a complication post-surgically than if you have normal normal glucose. So figure out what your your French fry and donut titration level is, and keep mm -hmm. your glucose normal and keep your wasted ratio normal, and then this will not be a stressfully burdensome scenario a catastrophizing state that the mind goes through when you realize you gotta basically clean up your lifestyle i mean it's not that complicated i mean it really isn't and native cultures if you look at the western price pictures and you look at the natives who because western price is a density had them smile and you see these like beautiful people with beautiful smiles they look happy they're not sitting there going shit what's wrong no donuts yet you know, <laughs> French fry machines haven't arrived yet to the Brazilian, you know, rainforest. Our lives suck. Like, you don't give a shit. Their lives are great. <laughs> they can move. They can run. They can do all kinds of stuff without pain. They have got great lives. And what's the American thing? Oh, I, I mean, I can't have dessert. Like, oh, geez, this dullard kind of mindset that these people live in. Yeah. I can no. tell you. I'm 62 now. And 62 is not 40. I don't know who said that. 60 is the new 40, probably some hopeful 30-year-old. It ain't the case. But I can tell you, though, being 62 compared to a lot of guys who are 10 or so years younger than I am playing golf with them, and I hit it farther than them. And I don't have the mobility that, that I had uh, 20 years ago. But, man, I mean, it would be no fun to, like, have, to have to hit woods into short par fours like a lot of the guys I play with. I mean, I play with guys 350 hole – they're hitting like five woods into a 350 hole and I'm, you know, I'm hitting a pitching witch or sandwich, you know? So I'm like, nice. God, it's not fun.
It's not. And so, um, Doc, I really appreciate your time today. This was great. How could our chiropractors that are interested in to really start to integrate this seamlessly into their practice, how can they find more resources uh, to get, get this going for them? So the fastest, cheapest thing that they can do is they can go right to their search field, like Google search field, just put in BMI pain. And the first or second paper that will appear on all the searches is a paper that I put into chiropractic and manual therapies, I think it's called. And it's called BMI pain connection. I forget the exact title of it. And that lists all the markers. And then they can go to deflame.com where I have all seven of my books listed and they can get volume discounts there or they can get individual copies if they click through right to Amazon. And then uh, two YouTube channels, one is called Deflame Nutrition, like a hundred some odd videos there. And then the other one is the Amateur Golfer's Dilemma, about 40 videos there. So, and I didn't want to have any commercials, but now YouTube reserves the right to put commercials on. So I got commercials, sorry about that. No, uh, that's those, all right. Those are the spots. Perfect. I love it. All right. Thanks for your time today, Doc. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you want to make the shift from busy, broke, and broken to time-free and cash-confident, or you just want to continue with the exponential growth, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Look at the MCM Mastery tab, watch the short video on there, and check out what we are doing now for evidence-informed chiropractors. We are equal parts coaching and marketing done for you. Yes, you shoot some videos. We help you with campaign strategies and ideas and really become a thought leader in your community. You shoot those videos, you send them to us, we produce, edit, and brand them to you. Then we distribute them through all of your channels. We also take them and we turn it into one good blog per month. And every other month, we have Darcy Sullivan producing a robust blog with a topic that you pick from her database to help with your SEO. So we essentially become your content marketing agency to make sure your practice is always having ethical, elegant content marketing to help grow your practice. On the coaching side, we also help you with everything from marketing ideas to business, communications, finances, anything practice growth and really try to help prevent you from being stuck on that island. And we hold you accountable. We have a great group of doctors that are just doing amazing things. And we look forward to help you out to take that next step in your practice. So again, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com and learn more.